Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. So let's get into the word very quickly and then we move from there. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Because we cannot read the whole text, I'm going to give you the background of the story. Peter was hungry and whilst he was waiting for his food to be prepared, he slept off and he dreamt of food. Uh, Well, so if you ever find yourself (laughs) dreaming about food, you can have a clue what might have happened. Sometimes... You know, it's what people say, but sometimes you're just hungry. And sometimes it is from God. It is noteworthy that the person who dreamt of food in the Bible, it was God offering him the food. So take note of that, all right? So all I'm saying is that every dream has to be discerned separately and intentionally. You know, so he dreamt of food, and the Bible says in verse 11, he says, he saw the heaven opened and an object like a great sheet abound, you know, at four corners, descending to him and let down into the earth. He says, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and birds of the earth. You see, and a voice came to him, rise, kill and eat. But then Peter said, not so, Lord. You see, I've taught on this text so many times, but I can never get over it. God told Peter to do something, and he said no. Peter got a trance from God. God gave him something, and he said no. And he said, no, Lord. Listen, why am I reading this? Because you see, poor theology will limit your spiritual experience. There are things that God will offer you. It's yours. You're supposed to walk in it. You're supposed to experience it. But because you have been poorly taught and you've been given the impression that it is wrong, you will not open yourself to that dimension of God. Because guess what? The Bible says, quench not the spirit. As limitless as the spirit is in capacity and influence, you can limit the operation of the spirit in your own life because of poor knowledge and theology. Think about how oxymoronic it is for someone to say, no, Lord. Lord means yes. <laughs> you have to say yes. If he's Lord, you have to say yes. But because of poor theology, he said no. Some of you might be saying no to God without knowing. Are you listening to me? You might be saying no to God without knowing. For instance, you know some people have been taught that it is wrong to borrow. It's a sin to borrow. Because you shall lend to nations and you shall not borrow. And I understand what they are saying. First and foremost, that text does not necessarily abominate borrowing. And borrowing can be dangerous. Make no mistake. I am not saying you should go and borrow. You might enter into trouble. But listen, when you're doing a business and your business is doing well, you have customers, you have everything. And you just need to scale. You just need to scale. Guess what? Borrowing might be the smart thing to do. And guess what? Jesus borrowed. The Bible says he borrowed Peter's boat. Read it. The Bible said he borrowed Peter's boat. He didn't buy his own boat to preach from it. (laughs) Is that in your Bible or not? I'll give you another instance. The Bible tells us that this widow came to Elisha to say, well, my husband is dead 
and he left us no capital, and by a prophetic instruction, the, the prophet instructed her to borrow vessels. And in fact, not only did he tell her to borrow, he said, borrow not a few. Are you listening? In such a way that the extent of our boring was the extent of our miracle. <laughs> it's right there. Listen again, I am not advocating for boring. But you see, that poor theology insinuating that if you borrow, you stop the miraculous power of God and his provision in your life, it's, it's, it makes no sense because both can happen simultaneously. The woman borrowed and she saw a miracle. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I'm just using that, you know, to excuse, how can I put it? To shatter that poor theology that might be a limiting mindset in your mind. I'll give you another instance. Because in this direct context, I hope you know that animal was not literal. It was a, it was a prophetic metaphor for people. Come on, are you with me? Some of you don't know that. But you see, eventually when... Peter went to Cornelius' house, and he was recounting the dream. He gave an interpretation to that dream. In Acts chapter 10, verse 28, when he was recounting the dream, he said, verse 28, Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me. He's referring to the trans, isn't he? God has shown me that I should not call any, any what? Did he say any animal? So he knew that the animal was but a metaphor for people of other nations. God has instructed me not to call any man common or unclean. So, in your context, there are some people... That in your religiosity, you don't want to have anything to do with. I'm not talking about getting married to them. I'm not talking about um, having them as close bosom friends. But you see, some people are so transcendent, they cannot even interact with people. And that's wrong. The instruction of the Lord is not to call anyone common or unclean. Say loud, Amen. Amen. You know why the polity in the country I come from is the way it is? It is because some people think that there are too many sinners there. So a lot of good people who should be in politics are not. And it is the trick of the devil so that he can have all the power to himself. Because there is a type of light in the church that is scared of darkness. There's a type of light. There's a type of Christianity that is so fragile. You have to hide. You, you are more noble than evangelical. <laughs> the reason God is making me say this is because even if God said this is the year to occupy, if you don't deal with those, those limiting mindsets, there will be places God will ask you to go. You cannot go. There will be things God will ask you to do. You cannot do. And it's not because of the Lord. It's because of your limiting mindsets. Everybody say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Don't say no, Lord, when you should be saying yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 
you know, there was someone I took a picture with. We had a meeting, and the person asked for a picture, and a pastor called me. He said, why are you taking a picture with such a person? I said, I don't understand. He asked for a picture. He said, don't you know that you're taking picture, a picture with a person is an endorsement of his character? I said, how? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Hallelujah. Listen, there are some people who don't share your spiritual convictions that you can learn from. They can be your mentors in business. Are you aware? There are things that you can pick from them and learn from them. If you don't understand this, even if by a miracle God takes Joseph to the palace and he doesn't understand this, he won't last there. Do you know what it means to be a Joseph? To be in a palace for decades and, the, and Pharaoh doesn't become born again. But he's your boss. Can you walk with people who don't share your conviction? If you cannot, let me tell you something. You will be noble. You and your house, you will make heaven, but you will be of no use on the earth. Because I can assure you, you cannot do anything notable on this earth without having interactions with such people. The reason I'm saying this is because God wants to prepare this church to be an evangelical church, a truly evangelical church. Do a proper statistics of many churches. Most of the people there, they are just recycled members. That's why, that's why churches are beefing churches because, you, you know, you're just taking church members from here to the other. Where are the souls being won? Can we truly say that we are truly evangelical? Listen, do we do church in a way where someone who is new in the faith can feel at home and can grow? Do you understand what I'm saying? The title of my charge is Friend of Sinners. Friend of Sinners. And it's for some religious people, even that title will do, you know, your body is reacting to it. Guess what? Jesus was called that. Friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. <laughs> Luke chapter 7, verse 33 to 34. Jesus was called friend of sinners. And Jesus is the ultimate example of contact without contamination. The ultimate example of contact without contamination. You see, listen to me. I'll tell you two quick stories. And you see, on a surface level, these are just stories on divine healing. But you don't see how much deeper these stories are and what they truly represent. The Bible tells us the story of the woman with the issue of blood. That she came behind in the press, unbeknownst to Jesus, touched the hem of his garment, and instantly... The hemorrhage that she had had for 12 years was healed. And you know, that's a powerful testimony of the healing power of Jesus. But what a lot of people do not know was that that was also a spiritual metaphor of her spiritual condition. Because according to Jewish law, when you had hemorrhage, a woman who had discharge was considered unclean. She was not permitted to engage in any spiritual activity. Not just that, anyone she touched or who touched her became unclean. 
and had to stay away from everyone else for at least 24 or 48 hours. This was the Jewish law. So you have to understand, this wasn't just a woman who had suffered physically. This was a woman who, on account of her physical challenges, couldn't engage in spiritual activities. Are you getting what I'm saying? And I'm sorry to say, but in a sense, this is the metaphor of many churches. There are some people, oh my God, you, should we go there? Yeah. You know, there was a man who had an accident and had to use crutches. I heard this from Pastor Poggio. And because he was using crutches, and this church is a faith and healing church, they told him not to come to church for a while. That if he's in church, it will be a contradiction of their message. It gets worse. When he recovered, they wanted to invite him back because he's a financial juggernaut. So they tried to invite him back. <laughs> and he said, no, don't worry, I'm not coming. <laughs> because we have a brand, an image of a church that cannot be touched. A church that if you touch, becomes unclean. And so now, God becomes flesh. He's walking on the earth to tell us how stuff should be done. And so when the woman came behind in the press and touched him, instead of Jesus becoming unclean, she was healed. Do you understand that? Instead of Jesus becoming unclean, there was a surge of power, a release of virtue from him to her. And healed her. What is it about the church that is embarrassed about the very things we are supposed to heal? Is Jesus' blood powerful or not? Let us know. Let's know what we are doing. If you are so scared of sinners, it tells us something. It tells us something about your message. You know, there's another story. Jesus, after he had preached on the mountain, the Bible says when he came down, at the foot of the mountain was a man who was leprous. Leprosy was another condition that typified in a prophetic, metaphorical way someone who was spiritually bankrupt. They were treated that way. And even from his request... You could see that he was excusing Jesus should in case Jesus, just like every other religious leader prior, would not want to interact with him. He said, if you will, <laughs> if you will, if you will, make me whole. And Jesus said, I will, and stretched out his hand and touched him. Listen, Jesus could have healed him with words. He wanted to make a statement. I, I can touch you and not contact it. You will be healed. He touched him. And the man on the spot was healed. Say, that's my Jesus. That's the Jesus of the Bible. There's a theological term I want to describe to, to you. It's one of the terminologies used to describe God. God is called transcendent. Transcendent. To be transcendent is to be infinitely above anything you can ever know or imagine. Transcendent. 
Paul, describing God, said he dwells in unapproachable light. Can you say unapproachable? unapproachable. That's transcendent. He's out of your league. He's out of your league. And so the Bible tells us, and I'm saying this for a reason, the Bible tells us that Isaiah saw a vision. He found himself in the throne room of God. Isaiah chapter 6 from verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Listen, that is a picture of transcendence. He's high and lifted up. It says, The train of his robe filled the temple. It says, Above him stood a seraph. Above it stood a seraph. And that's a scary sight. A seraphim has six wings just just imagine a being with six wings with the two in the middle he's flying with the two beneath he's covering his legs and with the two above he's covering his face listen you have to be terrified to fly without seeing where you're going because God is so transcendent even the seraphim dare not look come on are you getting what I'm saying no, so, so they're covering and then they're just flapping around and crying, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. In Hebrew language, there is no exclamation mark. And so to exclaim, they say the same thing three times. Just for emphasis, holy, holy, holy. He's thrice holy. Do you get it? And not just that, the Bible says, when the seraphim screamed, the Bible says the doorposts began to shake <laughs> by the voice of him who cried out. It says, and the house was filled with smoke. This is a scary sight. Now, for context, the person who was witnessing this is a man of God. Even a man of God cried out. He said, woe is me. Maybe KJV doesn't help you understand. Woe means I'm undone. I'm in trouble. Or where I come from, you simply say, mogbe. Mm? <laughs> It says, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Let me tell you something. Even a prophet will not stand that test of holiness. A prophet is not good enough. Good luck trying by your efforts. This is not a sinner. This is a prophet. And a prophet finding himself x-rayed by the glory of God says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amidst people of unclean lips. And for him to even survive what he was seeing, that seraph had to come and put a tongue of fire as if to purify his tongue. Please, are you getting this? It is this same God who took on flesh, dwelt amongst us, and he's touching sinners. Come on, are you getting this? So, my question to you is this. Why is it that many Christians are more transcendent than the transcendent God? <laughs> so the thrice holy God took on flesh, dwelt amongst us. He's touching sinners. He loves them. He's not intimidated by their frailty. He's greater than it. He can defeat it. And so he can walk in their midst. He can go to their parties. Are you listening to me? I'm not advocating for going to club now. <laughs> Do you realize 
that if God did not come to us, we can never come to him. You have to understand that. That's the definition of transcendence. Imagine you put up your social media and you saw your close friend had just taken a picture with the king of England. What will you think? She'll be like, and you call him immediately and go, guy, what's going on? Wait, how, how did this happen? Now, we're talking about a man. Do you understand what I'm saying? In all his glory, he's still a man. How much more God? Do you know what it means to say, I know God and not be lying? You, you, don't, you don't know the extent of the privilege. To say, I know God. Let me tell you this. You know, when I was doing my internship, I worked in the governor's house, all right? Um, because I was working for a construction firm and we were building a new, um, a new building just beside the place where he was staying. Now, for six months, I walked there every day and I never saw the governor once. The governor of Lagos at the time. Did you hear what I just said? That's the definition of transcendence. <laughs> I never saw him once. Never saw him once. As you were entering that place, you will see no thoroughfare. Let me tell you this. My first time going to work, because it's just beside the barracks, some of you who know the place. You know, I'm not talking about the one in Alausa, I'm talking about the one on the island. You know, so there's a barracks there. So I was just, I mean, in the morning, you know, with my earplugs, praying in the spirit, you know, full of the Holy Ghost and crossing. So when you get to the gate of the barracks, you're supposed to cross to the other side and come on before you, you don't cross the gates. <laughs> so I crossed, you know, and then the soldier called me, come. <laughs> and so I came and he said, did you go to school? I said, yes. He said, can you read? What did I say? He said, no thoroughfare. Okay, he said, okay. Carry that broom and sweep. <laughs> so as I carried it, as I was about to start sweeping, another person crossed. Then I said, okay, you go. Come on. I said, I said well, praise the Lord. You know? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Holiness you can understand it in human context. Holiness means something that is separate from common. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, for instance, all days are common to you, but there are some days in the year you call holy days. Holidays, right? And, you, come on, are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> there are some days in your house, if you forget, you're, you're, you're in trouble with your wife. Because there are some days that are holy in that house. Holiness is separate from common. And so, when we talk about the holiness of God, we are talking about the transcendence of God. Nobody could come. Are you ready for some theology teaching now? One of the funniest things in the church is that people really think that Elijah climbed a chariot and drove to heaven. <laughs> Look at the way they are looking at me. You don't realize how ridiculous that is. He climbed the chariot to heaven, the third heaven, and he, he didn't die. 
You don't know how ridiculous that is? You believe that? <laughs> now, let me ask you this so that you recognize how ridiculous that is. That someone before the death of Jesus, without the blood of Jesus, could enter heaven. Why didn't Jesus die? Do you see that I'm not just trying to be theologically semantical? This is, this is serious. If anybody entered heaven without the blood of Jesus, that's a problem. That's, that's a groundbreaking theological conundrum. That there is a man who without the sacrifice of Christ entered heaven. It shakes everything you know. We're still on the topic of transcendence. But let me now show you this. In case you had any doubts, okay, let's imagine you believe that Elijah was in heaven. Then someone who had been in heaven for eternity, Jesus, comes to the earth. And then on the earth, he says this. Turn your Bibles. Open your Bibles now. This is important. In John chapter 3, verse 13. John chapter 3, verse 13. I hope I have your attention. I'm sure I do. You want to know where this is leading. <laughs> Every, now, if your Bible is original, this text is written in red. <laughs> if it's not in red, your Bible is cheap. <laughs> you know? That's, that's how to know you have a cheap Bible. They want to save paint. They want to save color. <laughs> because black is the cheapest, you know. Now, it says... Jesus is talking. No one has ascended to heaven. Hmm. Did you ever have a friend who ever lied to be close to a celebrity? And then when you found the celebrity, I'll never forget this instance. He said, oh, this guy talks about you all the time that you're close. He said, who? I'm like. So when I go back and I told the guy, I, I, I met, met this celebrity. You know, I said, oh, he might not remember me. I said, really? <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, I see what you did there. <laughs> Smart move. He might not remember you. Or oh, you're a liar. <laughs> no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Listen, listen. The first person to leave heaven was the Christ. Nobody had entered, nobody had left. He was the first. The first. No one has ascended to heaven. Maybe that's not convincing enough for you. <laughs> Look at John chapter 1 verse 18. Hmm, are you ready for this? Everybody read together. One, two, go. Hold on. Read it again. Hold on. Read it again. <laughs> no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has declared Him. Let me surprise you. Even the angels saw God for the first time in the incarnation of Christ. The Bible says, in 1 Timothy, I think, 3.16, it says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels. I told you the seraphs always covered their... Come on, are you, are you getting this now? Without 
controversy, greatest the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. So even angels, this was their first time to at least put a face to the name. <laughs> because he dwells in unapproachable lights. And that's where you think someone entered the chariot, you know, and just, and just said, yo. <laughs> In Hebrews 11, go to Hebrews 11, 13. Hebrews 11 is a compendium of every faithful person in the Old Testament, including Elijah. And in verse 13, what did he say? One, two, go. These all, again, again. Not only did he say these all died, he says not having received the promises. If someone had entered heaven, he has received the promise. I know I can't move on without explaining this. <laughs> so here's the first thing you need to know. Elijah was known to disappear so many times in his earthly ministry. So the Bible tells us, for instance, Elijah in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 5, that Ahab said to Obadiah, go into the land, you know, search. Search for Elijah. They searched everywhere. They couldn't find him. All right? And then suddenly, Elijah just showed up. And the Bible says, Obadiah met him in the way. And then he now said, go and tell this message to Ahab. And then this is what Obadiah said. He said, you want to put me in trouble? He said, if I go and call King Ahab, when I come back and you have disappeared the way you usually do, he will think I was deceiving him. And he may kill me. So it was a known thing that Elijah, the spirit wixed Elijah away to another place. It was a known fact. Are you getting this? Yes. Mm, look, at, look at verse 8. And he answered him and said, Tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Verse 9. And he said, What have I sinned? <laughs> that you wouldest deliver your servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me. As the Lord liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither the Lord had not sent to seek thee. And they said, He is not there. He took an oath of all the kingdoms and the nations, and they found you not. So it is possible that the Holy Ghost took Elijah somewhere and you check everywhere and you don't find him. Is that established in this text? But yet he's on the earth. Mm -hmm. Verse 11. Now that thou sayest, go and tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and it shall, it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry thee whither I know not. This is where this phrase, carry me where I know no, came from. <laughs> carry thee whither I know not. So when I come to tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he will slay me. So it was a known fact. Now it will make sense that when that teleportation experience happened, the sons of the prophet said, check on the mountain for him. Are you getting what I'm saying? It means that the people who were there at the time knew he didn't go to heaven. They knew he went somewhere. They just didn't know where. And the fact that the Bible said he went to heaven doesn't mean the third heaven. Any good Bible student, uh, you now get it. So 
If he flew through the atmosphere, that's heaven. There are three heavens. The atmosphere where birds fly. The second heaven is the planetary space, the sun, moon, and stars. And then the third heaven. And so you have to understand in context. So if a whirlwind carried him up, he went to heaven. But not that heaven. Are you getting it? The third and final proof is that 10 years after, the Bible says Elijah wrote a letter. <laughs> in 2 Chronicles 21, 12, Elijah wrote a letter. This was 10 years after. This was in the era of Elisha. Elijah wrote a letter. Maybe from heaven. <laughs> you sent an email, right? All I'm saying is this. Until God came to us, none of us could go to him. Even the faithful men who died, they couldn't go to heaven. Until Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again. They went to a place called Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom was like a prison with air conditioner. <laughs> it was beside hell. You could, don't forget the story of Lazarus and the rich man. From Abraham's bosom, you could see the other side. You could see the other side. And so, when Christ came and died, he went to that prison. Come on, are you with me? After he had defeated the devil, defeated, he held the keys of life and of death. He opened that prison and he led captivity captive. So the place called Abraham's bosom doesn't exist anymore because Jesus emptied it. And he marched them to heaven for the first time. And when he got to the gate of heaven, he said, lift up your head, O ye gates. And be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And listen, the angels were surprised. No human has ever come to this gate. No human has ever made it this far. Who are you? What gave you, gave you the right, the audacity? The angel from inside said, who is this king of glory? And then he responded. He said, the Lord, the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, all ye gates. And when the gate was lifted up, he entered but not alone. With all the faithful who had died in his name. He marched them straight into heaven. And then he walked straight to the throne of God like it was his rights. And when he walked there, he sat down. Come on. And the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right side until I make your enemies my footstool. And the Father said to the Son, It is finished. And the son said to the father, it is finished. Hallelujah. And not just that. All who died in him sat with him. The Bible says we are seated with him in heavenly places. Far above principalities and powers and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Give him praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Please be seated. 
Hallelujah. And so that our example, that our model, the transcendent God, he didn't, he didn't look down on us. He came down to fellowship with us, walked where we walked, stood where we stand. You do not have a high priest that is not touched with the feelings of your infirmity. He was at all point tempted just as us, yet without sin. That's your example. That is contact without contamination. Tempted at all points, yet without sin. Listen, the noble thing to do sometimes will be to just say, you know what, I ain't going to do this. But if you are going to stand the chance to convert people, you're going to have to go there. Go there. Just like your maker. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, it says, If anyone is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore. It takes time to restore. You know, one powerful testimony of conversion, Nabil Qureshi of blessed memory, he said he was a staunch Muslim and no one ever explained to him the Christian position. No one ever. You'll be surprised. There are many people, I, I mean, even in our evangelism, when you look at someone, you see their face is too hard, you, you excuse them. <laughs> no one ever, until he had this roommate who was knowledgeable, but he was also kind. Let me tell you this. He said, even if they didn't agree, he could tell that this guy could take a bullet for him. This guy genuinely liked him. Even before he shared the same conviction with him, he just knew this guy, David Wood, could take a bullet for him. And he found that intriguing. So they had a genuine friendship, but every time they would argue. They would argue. And eventually, David Wood convinced him that indeed Christ is the truth. But it was still a struggle for him. It took him time. It took him time. Are there people you can give that time? Like I said, that Joseph can serve in the palace knowing that Pharaoh may never be converted. You, you will love him. You will pray for him. But you will give him that chance. Come on, are you with me? Yes, now, can I tell you something? Are you ready? I'm about to enter some deep topics now, right? I didn't come all the way from Africa to mince words with you. Let me tell you something. We gave the devil leeway in this generation, and we must take it back. Because we are so transcendent, we don't even have the patience to explain the struggles of people. We don't even have the time to really preach to them, to really encourage them. You know, I was telling one of us yesterday, stories of people who went to their parents and said, Daddy, I have to tell you this. I'm a guy, but for some reason, I have never liked a woman in my life. Do you know what some of them did? They took them for deliverance, deliverance, 
I cast out demons all the time. I, do you understand? It's a real thing. We're in a spiritual world. But this was the type of deliverance. They were, they were supposed to flog him until, until those tendencies left. Do you know there were parents when their female daughters, yeah, when their daughters told them, I never liked a man in my life. They set them up, got a guy to rape them. Now, they said, maybe you have not tasted it, that's why. And now you have people who were broken by the very people who should have been there for them. And now the devil comes and says, we love you, come, don't worry. We accept you the way you are. You see the problem? Meanwhile, you are a hypocrite. Because you have your own struggles too. It's not like you're not a sinner. You just sin differently. You just sin differently. You've been in church for many years. You are struggling with pornography. Maybe even this last week. And when you're done, you cry and say, Lord, I know this is not me. I'm better than this. You died for me. You know, but you, there is something about the blood of Jesus that only makes sense when it is you. Listen, I'm not going to mince words with you. There is another extreme that we now start calling black-white. That's not love. That's not Christianity. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you, you, see, you see, can you deliver the truth with love? Just like the Bible says, teach the truth with love. And see people, love them, encourage them. And even when they are stumbling, They've not gotten to the point of perfection. You know, there was someone, <laughs> someone, he follows our ministry, you know, and all of that. But there's a way to know. Do you understand what I'm saying? When he wants to greet me sometimes, his hand will just do like this, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, but I kept teaching him the word, kept loving him, you know, and all of that. And one day he asked me, he said, I want to tell you something. You know, I'm struggling with this. I said, oh, you think I don't know? <laughs> of course I know. Of course I know. I like that you have not been defeated by it. You know, you just say, do you understand what I'm saying? You, you, you love Jesus. You are growing in his word. I'm, I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing discipleship. Go on. I told him the exact same thing that I would tell a believer who says, Sir, I keep liking people who are not my wife. Or I'm a, I'm a single person, but the, the concept of being faithful to one person, you know, in marriage is, 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 is a struggle. The same way I encourage them, I encourage them. Do you understand what I just said? Yes, sir. I hope you do. I am preparing you for the kind of ministry that God is going to use you for. Listen, many times sermons in this ministry are prophetic. By the next week, by the two weeks time, you, you will now see why God made, you know, the man of God preach it because there will be people who will be coming your way with that struggle. You cannot see. 
maybe where you are coming from, you got away with it. But you cannot truly do ministry here without understanding it. Say contact without contamination. You have a friend who is a staunch smoker. I've never smoked in my life. I don't think it makes sense it's, it's, it, you, to know. You went to school. You know that it damages your lungs. But to do it still, it doesn't make sense to me. But am I bothered by it? No. If I'm preaching Christ to you, I have bigger... Listen, when the time is right, I'm going to talk about it. Do you understand? But I have more urgent priorities. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, blow your smoke. Didn't you hear? In the throne of God, there was smoke. <laughs> Where we come from, there is smoke. Your smoke doesn't disturb me. Do you understand what I'm saying? You read it, Isaiah 6. There was smoke. Smoke filled the place. <laughs> also, are you ready for what I'm about to say? The fact that you have a bias against something doesn't make it a sin. Is smoking a sin? Some of you, you, know, you can't even respond. No. <laughs> Is drinking a sin? No. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Anything that can damage your body, you shouldn't do. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that is even talking about doing it in abusive quantity. See, I am telling you, when we learn this, the power of God will flow in the church like never before. There is a dimension of power that will only flow when there is true compassion. Listen, you know, one of the ways they will know the church is by love. That's God's design. But in this generation, they only know us by knowledge. <laughs> but he said they will know you. But this is, he says by this. They will know by your love for one another. They will know that you are my disciples. How about you practice love work? You practice it like never before. You can be wicked and religious. Yes. You know, I said it during Rebu camp that there was someone who left his church he had some issues, so he left his church. Unfortunately, months after, he lost his child. And then the pastor said it's because he left his covering. You know, you, see, you can be... You see, there are some things that make sense to us that, that, that have become like witchcrafts. You can lack sensitivity. That's what Jesus was trying to teach when he gave the parable of the Good Samaritan. That you see someone dying, you... We're talking about Levites who were just coming from the temple, but, but they, they have so, been so inoculated from common compassion, they don't mind passing a dying person. By the way, you do that every time when you, you refuse to preach the gospel. But we're coming to that another day. <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't care anymore. Come on, are you following what I'm saying? You don't care anymore. That's what Jesus was teaching. That Jesus sees a man who was blind and listen, oh my God, are you ready for this? Yes, Jesus sees a man who was blind from his mother's womb. And the disciples asked him, who sinned? That was their priority. Can you imagine who sinned? He or his parents? 
that's the way some people think. They think that some people are going through misfortune because they've done something. People that you should be there for. You, you are preoccupied with what they must have done. You, are, you must have done something. You must have done something. And Jesus said, neither. But that the glory of God will be revealed in him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, now follow this closely. You know, there are some stories that won't make sense if you don't understand Jewish tradition. Why is it, for instance, that Jesus will spit on the soil? You know, roll it together and put it on someone's eye for the person to be healed. The same Jesus who by his words, blind eyes opened. Why did he do that? Let me give you some context. In Hebrew tradition, when children were born with a disability, you had the right, it's a silly law, but anyway, you had the right to disinherit them when they got to the age of 13. You had the right. And there is every indication, according to Hebrew scholars, that this guy was disinherited. And that's why when the Pharisees were asking, where is his parents? They wanted to be sure if he was born blind or not. They called for his parents. And the parents said, he's of age. Ask him. They were, ask, they were acting like they had no responsibility to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there was every indication. And now that changes something. Listen closely. Because in that tradition, when you saw anybody with disability who was disinherited, when you were walking past them, you would spit and go. You will spit and go. You will... So by Jesus spitting, he was saying the very thing that people used to mock you. Oh, you are not here. The very thing that people used to mock you will be the source of your healing. In no other instance did Jesus heal a blind man like that. But he said, the very thing that people used to mock you, I'm going to take it up, mold something with it, and that will be the source of your healing. What if the area of your pain, oh my God, you know, it sounds cliche when we say he's making a message from your mess. That from what he has brought you out of, you now become a minister to people who are going through sin. Telling them, God who brought me out of this will bring you out. Who would have thought that the very saliva, this guy, Heard saliva every day of his life. People spitting. People, you know, um, calling him names and just spitting and walking past. And just imagine, Jesus was standing in front of him and he heard that sound again. Pah! And he must have thought, here we go again. But instead. And his eyes were opened. That's the Jesus of the Bible. Hallelujah. He came from heaven to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name. Come on, lift your hands, everyone. You came, you came, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my death you paid. From the cross to 
Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.